I'm Fran, and this is Consent Based Everything, a podcast about creating a culture of consent in our homes and beyond. Hello. Today I talked to Aisha Cleland Lang. She's a writer, a non scholar, a mother of two, and she's currently doing a master's in Indigenous studies. I started off talking about what I termed Indigenous education, but then it kind of emerged that what I really meant was Indigenous ways of knowing. So we talk about that for a bit. Um, It's really interesting. Uh, We talk about consent, we talk about Western culture uh, as a monoculture, and we also, also talk about something called embodied relational learning, which is so fascinating. Uh, this is such a great conversation. I've had to edit it down to be a lot shorter than it originally was, um, but I hope you enjoy it. First of all, Indigenous and Indigeneity, this, this term is something that's fairly recent in the way that we use it. So I would say like from the 1970s, hmm. um, we sort of use it as a blanket term for firstness, um, for a certain way of relating to one another and to, you know, when you say location specific, that actually gets to the heart of it. Um, um, so firstness in a place or being able to trace ancestry back to a certain place. Um, think what we overlook in our sort of um, uh, focus on indigenous cultures is um, what we're counteracting, which is sort of the Euro-Western patriarchal capitalist, like, right? Like this sort of way of doing things. Um, and really that's more, that's the monoculture and that's the unified way, um, the sort of globalized unified monocultural way of educating, of living, of being, of of relating, right? Um, that's the lumping. <laughs> and what we talk about as indigenous cultures is really what is um, indigenous culture. It's not a one thing, of course, as you said, it's like different cultures, the different ways of doing things and different ways of living that we tend to lump together mostly because we don't know it and understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's no way to know and understand how every single culture sort of, you know, relates to each other themselves and you know, whatever earth, part of the earth they come from. Um, But I think um, what's the lumping together and what is the sort of blanketing of experience um, is that sort of Euro-Western, you know, way of relating that indigenous cultures, quote unquote, um, are counteracting. There's the element of um, indigenous peoples sort of being over-researched, especially in the fields of anthropology and and things like this, like being just completely excavated and exploited for their knowledges, but often in ways that, you know, what comes out of it, so Lidloff, right, what comes out of it is not quite what it is. Like, you you know, people are reading for them and being like, huh, it's actually not not quite correct or doesn't feel correct or feels exploitative. And so what is there for, for evidence of what our ancestors did, it often doesn't fit or is a little bit skewed. And what we do have access to is spiritual realms. And so that's where we would get sort of our, our knowledges, you know, um, in black studies, there's this period in um, the seventies and eighties where so much 
so many of our like sort of critical black feminist texts come out of this period. You know, there's Toni Morrison, Maya Angelou, Alice Walker, you know, um, The Color Purple and, and um, sort of coining womanism and elucidating womanism. All of this comes out of period of intense spiritual um, inquiry and um right so we're teaching now in universities we're, ban we're banning those books also but we're teaching in universities feminist texts and um and, and critical texts that come out of a period of folks going to africa and um exploring african traditional religions and um becoming versed in Ifa and Yoruba and all of these things, right? Like that's what it's coming out of. It's not coming out of these sort of like um, heavily researched um, and, and, and sort of evidence-based spaces. So this is like, for me at the foundations of almost all indigenous, you know, ways of knowing, um, I guess we can call that education, um, um, ways of knowing the world and ways of knowing ourselves. Um, this is like really the basis. I don't even remember what your question was, but no, <laughs> but this is really interesting, right? But that's that's one of the things, and it's really different. I think from they're really different from each other. First of all, definitely right, and very different from um, very different from Western Euro Western sort of ways of knowing and and yeah of knowing who we are end of knowing what we know realize that actually maybe what i meant and you know is more just ways of living and like imparting knowledge mm -hmm. transmission mm -hmm. skills knowledge mm -hmm. experience etc tradition yes. all that stuff yes as opposed to like yes. education in the way that we see it in yeah 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 right or in now i'm remembering what you asked me you asked me about the ways that they um learned from before so that's that's one of them right that's yeah. one of them or a part of like part of a, a, a network of ways of knowing. Um, um, of course, there's just like observation, there's um, there are accounts um, of anthropologists or just of, you know, first colonists who went and they were like, you know, there's no separation. The kids are just, you know, they're at, at, at meetings with elders talking about war or hearing about war. And there's just no, like, there's no children's space there's everyone's space and everyone's there learning from learning at the feet of their, you know, of their elders and of their parents. Um, um, there's another huge one. And this goes, I think, to the heart of co consent and coercion, because, you know, um, when Europeans decided, um, so especially in the case of the Maori, and I think this is from some of Linda Tuhiwai Smith's um, research on the development of native schools, Mm. and she um and she I think I read it in there it might have been somewhere else but she talked about um colonists setting up um these infant schools well, she that wasn't her that was somebody else but she also talks about native schools um and how Europeans were like we have to find ways to get them to get their kids into school because they're happy for them to like learn new skills and learn how to they're like sure mm -hmm. but we can't beat them the kids just want to run around the forest and they won't bring their kids to school if we beat them. That's just not like, what are we going to do? How, how else will we co coerce them? How right. else will we compel them to get their kids in the schoolhouse? Because if we beat them, like they have a, a serious problem with it, like they want war, <laughs> which is 
absolutely relatable to me. <laughs> but to Europeans at the time, that was like, they don't want us to beat the kids. Like, how else are you supposed to get them to do stuff? Yeah. And so, you know, the culture of um, coercion um, had to be really built in a more sophisticated way because, and I imagine, I can imagine that that wasn't just a Maori. Um, it's just where my research is sort of focused in at the moment. Um, but I would imagine it's not just them that were like, no, <laughs> we, yeah. we don't mind if you teach them to read. That's great. You know, they were like, they were hungry for knowledge. That's great. Yeah. Teach them whatever. But you cannot like the physical coercion is not it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I've read that a, a couple of times that there was even um, one little girl who had um, she ran away from school. And a bunch of men went to look for her to find her to bring her back. And somehow she ended up dead. Mm -hmm. And um, this caused like, you know, and at the time it was like um, the treaty was about to be signed between Maori and um, the crown. And there were at, there was uh, one activist who, please forgive me all because I don't remember his name, but there was one activist who was staunchly against um, Maori signing this document. And he sort of used that incident of a child dying at the hands of educators, quote unquote, you know, to sort of try to build, um, you know, build, build resistance to the signing of the treaty. You know what I mean? Like look what they're doing to our kids kind of thing. Um, and that's just like, you know, one example, but um, from all accounts that I've read, and it's not just the Maori, right? We can talk about Stacey Patton's work in, um, Oh, what's the name of the book? Um, Spare the child. Mm. Why why whoopings won't um won't yeah. save Black America? Yeah, Dr. Stacey Patton. So her in her book, um, which is sort of like against against um spankings and beatings, mm -hmm. but also against coercive parenting. So she goes there, and in the end, it's like an abolitionist text because it's like you know. For a lot of Black people, it's like, they're like, well, if we beat our kids into submission, then the state doesn't have to do it. And she's like, but that's not working because we're the most over-policed and over-incarcerated culture in the entire world. So those things start matching up that we're beating kids, but they're still beating kids too. So right. <laughs> they're still beating us and incarcerating us too. So it's not working, right? But she, um, she begins her book by talking about the fact that there's just no evidence whatsoever that anywhere in Africa, amongst any of the cultures that Europeans came and met, mm -hmm. that beatings and coercion were a part of how children were, were raised. Mm -hmm. There's no evidence of it. Her next book is about how in Europe, so this is like, you know, sometimes focusing on the monoculture is what um, is sort of the work we have to do. But I think in her next book, she's going through all of the forms of violence and coercion amongst children in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, at the time of colonization, right? Um, that were normal, normal ways of raising children. So let me let me just try this. So when we're, when I'm talking about consent, I find myself uh, getting really like, uh, like I have to really think rationally about it. I think this is a very like um, uh, European American thing maybe where like we don't have it in our culture I wasn't raised knowing consent even was a thing like you know like all the things we just said 
So mm -hmm. I have to really rationalize consent. Like I have to think why it, it's important. I have to break it down into all the elements, you know, that make rational sense to me um, to really understand it. It's the same thing with boundaries in a way. We have to like uh, really like figure out what is a boundary? You know, what does it look like? How do we uphold it? Like mm -hmm. really like rationalize it all. Whereas um, um, in actual fact, maybe it like consent and boundaries and non-coercion and all of these principles in some cultures, like other cultures, perhaps not all of them, but some was more just embedded in the culture. So they didn't have mm -hmm. to have conversations about consent. Mm -hmm. maybe. Um, hmm. I was thinking a lot about that. And actually like this morning, um, I was reading um, Leanne Simpson, Simpson's Land of Pedagogy. I think I also, you know, brought this up, um, brought this up during your talk when I, you know, made a bunch of comments. But I was talking about Leanne Simpson's um, Land of Pedagogy, and I was looking at it again this morning. And I just want to read like a little piece of it that she says. Um, she says to me, mm, she's talking about an ancestral story about um, about about maple. This is the part of Canada that her her tribe, Anishinaabe, is um, from, mm -hmm. and um, it's a it's a whole allegory about maple and about this girl who learns from observing a squirrel um, mm -hmm. how to how to extract when to extract um, maple from a tree, and um, so she tells a story and then she says to me, "This is what coming into wisdom with the Mishisagi." Nishnabe epistemology looks like it takes place in the context of family, community, and relations. It lacks overt coercion and authority values so normalized within mainstream Western pedagogy that they are rarely ever critiqued. The lands is both context and process. The process of coming to know is learner-led and profoundly spiritual in nature. And then she talked about like the pursuit of whole body intelligence, which is what I think I was getting at when they said, um, when I talked about embodied, yeah, embodied, um, what did I say? Embodied Part knowledge or embodied? Interesting. No, the first one. Embodied. Yeah, but both, right? Both. You hear both in there, like both embodied, embodied yeah. knowledge and, and I, embodied and I, and I want to talk about that next. And, I, and I'd love for you to talk about that next. But I just want to yeah. say about what you read, what you yes. just said that yes, yes I think that's what I was trying to say that's what you're trying to say yeah in in western culture it's so normalized that we take 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 right and we do, there's no limit like we don't sense the boundary we have no sense of you know and that's why we then have to be like upholding boundaries because the other person is not um didn't grow up understanding that the boundary is there if we can just see it and sense it. I don't know yeah. if this makes any sense. It makes absolute sense. And I think that I couldn't have said it better. It's, that's exactly it, right? That's the difference between, a, hmm. So, so one of the other principles that they say sort of uh, uh, unites or is an undercurrent for all indigenous, quote unquote, what we call indigenous cultures mm -hmm. is um, relationship right relationship not just with self with others with the planet 
um, with the stars, like it, it's it's about relationality, how those groups relate to each other, you know, across like national, cultural, whatever boundaries, like it's relationship that's what's important. And I think when we talk about building a consent culture, um, it's because we have to counteract, you know, the, the um, uh, trigger warning, rape culture, the culture of extraction, the culture of exploitation that we live in, we have to counteract it. And so we, how we counteract that is by focusing on building a consent culture, right? Whereas indigenous cultures, the, um, the, the value is different, right? The values are on relationship. It's relationship first, um, which is where I see it's sort of dovetailing with unschooling with a lot of what we talk about with unschooling and self-directed, like relationship first, connection before, before correction like you know like all of these kinds of things are sort of mirroring or seeking to mirror um what what many people identify as having already been in you know pre-western societies um i also like to say post-western societies because it's where we're headed right it's what we're it's what we're all it, it's the goal for all of us to get to those places where um we are using our senses, our bodies, our, our spirituality, our relationships to each other as ways of knowing, yeah, even boundaries, right? As ways of um, being able to read a room, being able to navigate um, all kinds of relationships with all kinds of beings, human mm -hmm. and non-human. Um, yeah, and we need more than just like our brain to be able to do that. like that I think therefore I am thing. No, we, I, I connect, therefore I am. Mm -hmm. I relate, you know what I mean? I relate, therefore, like literally because people, my relations came before me is why I am. Like it's literally what it is. Not, right. because, not just because I can use that one organ and like, right, and try to manipulate everything in the world around me. Mm -hmm. there, there's, there's so much, there's so much more. It's about interaction. Um, whereas right now we're in counteraction, um, and I'd like to move more towards the form, right? Yeah, uh, Aisha was talking about these things during her um, SDE talk she did for the SDE weekend, and they came up, and I found it really fascinating. So we're gonna we're gonna talk yeah, about it. yeah. Um, so embodied learning is a term I thought I got from Dr. Malani Myers, but um. <laughs> um so in her essay, um, she is Kanaka Maoli, um, Indigenous Hawaiian. And um, I, I guess about a year ago now, I read her essay, A Liberation on our own, of Our Own, which mm -hmm. is about um, Hawaiian epistem epistemology, as I said, like ways of knowing, ways of knowing. Um, and when we were, so it was in like a, a, a course, a class for my um, master's. And when we were assigned this reading, I just remember being like, you know, texting my my professor and being like, that is a whole unschooling text. Like, <laughs> thank you. Even though in the end, um, what she, the 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 conclusion um, Dr. Myers comes to is that we need Hawaiian charter schools, and I'm like, no. But <laughs> but she um she basically gets um a group of elders together and um and and starts to try and formulate um um a Hawaiian curriculum or a, or a native Hawaiian um epistemology or way of knowing of education 
um, of, ed of educating people in being Hawaiian, right? Native Hawaiian. Um, and she talks about like uh, it being grounded by um, spirituality, of course. That one of the most interesting was um, another way to come at what we talk about as empirical knowledge. I mean, I think this is where I connected it to where in your talk for um, Alliance for Self-Directed Education, you were talking about invisible learning, um, invisible learning. And um, she talks about um, for Native Hawaiians, they have all these um, sort of sayings about different ways of knowing in the body, like in the liver. Um, like, like it's literally like the it's the liver that sort of digests the learning or something like this. And there's like sayings to that um, and how it's really like... Um, it's 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 really learning is 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 um, ideated as Im embodied <laughs> like literally in your body and when you think about it i mean even in you know western culture we have a lot of that like what's in the gut or um something you know like knowing that's in the gut right I have those, huh? those phrases but actually i i feel like that it's we've completely stripped it stripped all I don't know if we've completely stripped it. Are you sure? Because I can literally feel it sometimes in my gut. Well, uh, yeah. What does your gut tell you? I think that people say it sort of like they just say it, but I think it's actually a thing. I think for no, a lot of people, thing. it is it's actually a thing. thing. But I think we yeah. don't give it uh, enough weight. And I, I certainly growing up, no one was ever like, listen to your gut to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still, yeah. sometimes I feel something in my gut and I ignore it. And then now... <laughs> No, no, but it's true. And now, now I can, I rationalize then. And I'm like, wait, you're feeling this. Like, this is the right feeling. You should listen to it. Yeah. Um, but I've had yeah. to figure that out. Like, exactly. Like we've completely, we've disembodied learning. <laughs> like, it's just your brain is the thing. The rest your of brain you, is the thing that learns. The rest of you is just a hindrance, really. <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly like sit down yeah sit down make your body still so that your mind can take things in and I think this is what Dr. Myers is trying to get at like not just the learning that's in the body but then how that also connects to um I it's similar to what um Leanne Simpson's talking about where she talks about the land as pedagogy and how the learning really comes from your environment what plants you're surrounded by your climate as I was saying before that like you know, um, daylight savings makes no sense to me because as, I mean, as I sort of re, um, um, unlearn disembodied learning, you know, and plunge myself back into a more embodied way of, um, being and understanding the world. A lot of those things don't make any sense to me. Like at new year's, I feel nothing. Like my body is just like, I don't feel any sense of excitement. I don't feel any sense of renewal. It's just a day that everyone, it feels re really surreal that everyone else is celebrating. And there's like fireworks in the air. And I'm like, why? I just, there's nothing in me that feels renewal. And um, that's sort of what Dr. Myers is getting at when she's when she's like um, talking about this ocean of knowledge that comes from like our spiritual understanding, our embodied understanding, our body-mind connection, um, our relationship, learning about self through other, um, which is what I had a more macro experience with um, when I was, you know, in New Zealand and just in different places around the world and sort of just talking to um, Black and Indigenous people from different cultures and being like, 
okay, I learned something about them, but I learned even more about myself <laughs> and how I go through the world or things that I need to unlearn. Like it wasn't even about like collecting experiences with them. It was like, wait a minute, you know, through, through engagement, you know, through interaction, through relationship, it was like, oh, I know something new about myself. Um, yeah. So embodied learning really, it's really that it really, it really is about, um, decentering the brain as, <laughs> as the instrument, the vehicle of learning. Yes, it's there, but it has to work in tandem with everything else and also with, um, your environment. So that's where embedded, um, environmental literacy in that idea, which is um, the words of Dr. Sophie Strand, who is amazing. If you're not following her, I think she's Cosmogony on Instagram. Um, her work is amazing. And where she talks about like that, you know, um, how much learning um, between my husband and I just driving through Costa Rica and watching the um, the the foliage, watching the, the plants change as we went from one place to another and really just documenting just between each other, just in conversation, like, wow, look at what's happening to our landscape as we drive, like this kind of, um, yeah. And being able to read, like what's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where we're going, what it's gonna be like, being able to understand, you know, ourselves in a place, understand the place, understand where we belong in that place from what's going on, you know, in the soil. Um, this kind of learning has been, you know, for my kids here in South Florida, um, it's really, we have a, a co-op that we go to a different nature reserve every week. And, um, we always sit around the parents sit around. we should bring in like this activity to do and that activity to do. And meanwhile, the kids are using everything around them to, um, build and like build camps. They don't, you know, <laughs> to build camps. They're trying to find like different ways of opening up a coconut. Like they are really like, you yeah. know, embedding themselves. At one point we were on, um, Seminole grounds and they were using these um sticks to build like a fort which is literally what what happened <laughs> you know what happened right? like, and the Seminoles and the freedmen you know would come into Florida because it was the only the only place where there wasn't um there wasn't chattel slavery because it was owned by the Spanish and that was their way of sort of undermining the English and their sort of total dependence on chattel slavery. And so the Spanish, they had, you know, control of La Florida right now. And they were like, well, any freedmen or Indians that want to come down, you know, come here and be free. <laughs> Basically, you know, yeah. I mean, this we could talk about the saltwater underground, but like there's so much going on here um, that the kids sort of just tapped into. And had built themselves this, you know, um, it's called in South America, Palenque, you know, like a um, um, built from sticks, a fort, you know. And um, yeah, it's just really interesting how they tap into those kinds of things just from engagement with their environment, you know. And then they took a camera and started making like different stories in different places on the riverbank and like, you know, making these little, and I'm just like, why are we inter interfering? with this very embodied learning, like this, like they're literally tapping into the history of Florida right now building, like, and we want to teach them something. Yeah. Why? Because, right? yeah, and, and I think children are born doing that and they yeah. do that. And it's only when we get in the way with schooling and institutional. Yeah. And, and I feel like there's a place for that. There's a place for explicit teaching and, you know, especially when they ask for it. They're like, I want to learn that. 
there's definitely <laughs> there's definitely a place for it um but it's not it's not it's, it's understanding the see this is what we were just talking about about that discernment of being able to um sense boundaries um being uh, like consent really coming from interaction engagement and the relationship with another person like oh i i know where that that boundary is and if i don't and someone tells me that's completely normal right like <laughs> you know um yeah i forgot what to say but <laughs> yeah no uh, i i agree and i think oh yeah i was talking about teaching and learning sorry yeah i was talking about teaching and learning and as a parent knowing um being able to sense through your interaction through your knowledge of that person of that child when your explicit you know instruction may be um asked for wanted necessary and when not right I think for for so many adults it's like that's the only way and it's like no it's one of many ways um of learning and of interacting and of partnering on you know education and it's also up to us to be able to understand those boundaries you can only do that through relationship yeah no that that's true and actually it made me think a little bit about how when you're very in tune with somebody like uh like your children for example you don't you don't always have to have a conversations around consent there's a uh, you can sense you know like you were saying you can sense when it's the right yeah. or something and I find yeah. that a lot with my son because he there are certain moments when uh, if I asked him to do a thing I would not get a I would get a pretty like forceful no and then other <laughs> moments when if I asked him to do the exact same thing he'd be like yeah and and I I I know what those moments are so I have like a, a internal sense because of our relationship because we're close and I know him and we know each other like I know when a good time for that is and when a less good time is and and I sometimes find myself like I can sense when my husband's gonna ask him a thing and it's not a good time for him to ask that thing intervene intervene, intervene. <laughs> it's like I, this, this, I'm sensing this isn't a very good time so so yeah. it's interesting now that you mentioned this I remember that maybe I, I I do have a little bit of that it's not always you have a, yes you have a little bit of that in, in that's embedded environmental literacy also for me it's not just about like reading the clouds and the stars and yeah that's part of it but also it's like reading the relationship reading the room reading the moment um and this knowledge can only as I said come through like relationship right a certain way of interacting with another person that you understand like okay this is the moment, this is the, you know, I think Akilah Richards calls it like um, resistance as a roadmap, like understanding the roadmap, mm -hmm. right? Like where, how to navigate. Um, and I think these things, you know, aren't, they aren't, they aren't separate, right? It's the same, it's literacy. Yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's all literacy. so much for listening if you're enjoying this podcast please consider rating reviewing and sharing it's an absolute labor of love for me and uh, I would really love if I could reach more people with it thank you